Uninformed immigrants are at a huge disadvantage in court, in financial and legal matters, and also sometimes in life. Well, what can we do about it? I'll tell you what. We can train, teach, inspire, and empower immigrants to maximize their lives regardless of their immigration status. And that's exactly what we're going to do here. I am your immigration lawyer and host, Otis Landerholm, and this is the Empowered Immigrant Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Empowered Immigrant Podcast. On this episode, we're going to see an episode of the Empowered Immigrant Live, which is a webcast that I do every Thursday on Facebook and on YouTube for the immigrant community. If you have any immigrant questions or immigration questions, feel free to join us on Thursday for the next one. And for now, enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome. I'm Otis Landerholm. I'm the founding attorney at Landerholm Immigration APC, where we fight for your American dream. I'm so happy to be with you here today. Welcome to another episode of Deportation Defense Live. I've got some updates for you today. I'm going to be talking about immigration court. I want to share with you some things, some changes, some movement that's happening in our immigration court system. All right. And so uh, and so stay tuned for that. And thank you all so much for being here with me um, live today. Today's date is the 19th of April of 2022. I hope that you're having a great April. Uh, happy Easter for those who had Easter uh, this past weekend. Um, I'm a big fan of April. My birthday's in April. So, you know, I, I, I love the month. And, uh, and, and here we are. It's spring. Uh, there's a little bit of nice rain in the Bay Area, but it's, it's um, you know, it's, it's, it's great weather, I think. So uh, anyway, welcome to each of you. Thank you so much for being here with me. Uh, remember that the Deportation Defense Live is here to train to teach, to inspire, and to empower immigrants who are facing deportation to make the most out of immigration law, to make the most out of their lives, and to win their cases. Are you facing removal in immigration court, or do you know someone who's facing removal in immigration court? Because if you do, you know that it's not easy. It is an uphill battle. The laws are against us. And here, we're here to maximize your chances of winning that case, okay? So today, I want to give an update. It's, it's a quick update on what's going on in immigration court right now, April 2022. Thank you also to everyone who have asked your questions. We've got several questions to go through today. And if you've got a question, hey, please send it in. All right, we've got 30 minutes to discuss this topic in English. Then we'll do this episode in Spanish, okay? So if you've got your question, please send it to me in the chat, okay? And hello, everyone on YouTube. Hello to our friends on Facebook. Hello on Instagram. Hello on TikTok. Thank you all so much. I'm very, very happy to be here with you, okay? So, um... As always, we'll talk about the basics, and really, I want to give you just a just an update real quick on what's happening in immigration court right now, and then we'll um, 
will uh, transition to look at your questions, okay? So what are the basics? Right now, it's April 19th, 2022. Just a few months back, right, December of 2021, Immigration Court reported 1.5 million cases in the Immigration Court backlog. That's the highest numbers of cases that were pending in Immigration Court in the entire history of the United States, all right? And the government is working to catch up and to work through that, okay? And right now, Immigration Court, in my experience, right, what's happening in our firm is that Immigration Court is picking up post-pandemic, all right? We're coming out of the COVID-19 pandemic. Immigration Court is hiring immigration judges to start speeding up cases. If you have a case in court, you might find that your case is being transferred to a newer judge. All right, don't be surprised by that. Immigration court is also allowing attorneys, all right, to file things electronically for the first time. And so if you've got motions to file or documents or briefs or applications that you've got to get on file in immigration court, your attorneys can do that electronically now. It's like, finally, finally, we've been waiting for this for years, right? Immigration court, welcome to the 2020, welcome to the 21st century. That's what I'm trying to say. And, and it's like, you know, it took a pandemic for us to get there, but finally we can do things electronically in immigration court. Also, the immigration court is allowing clients and attorneys to appear through the internet for the first time, all right? So we appear through WebEx. In the old days, we could appear telephonically, but now it's like we can appear through WebEx. In fact, my office is handling a hearing right now as we speak in immigration court in our office through the internet, all right? And so, uh, and so good luck to those clients, and, um, and yeah, we, we're, we're making it happen, right? We're making it happen. Uh, the other thing that I want to share is that now, and uh, really this was a couple months back that the immigration court system introduced this, there is an automated case information system that you could Google, all right? You could Google automated case information for immigration court. If you Google that, uh, you can find access to your specific case through the internet. You'll need your A number, your alien registration number, your, your, um, your immigration number, all right? If you're in immigration court, that number appears on the top of your notice to appear, and it appears on every document that's related to your case, okay? And so you'll need your A number, but when you put your A number in there, you'll get access to when your next hearing is and who your judge is and, you know, some other information. If there's been an appeal filed or a motion to reopen, those procedural information will show up on that court summary. All right? And it's useful. It's useful. In fact, when our office does consultations for people regarding the immigration court, we will print that out right? And we'll look, look up that information. Absolutely, you know, it's included in your consultation process because we want to know what's going on in your court case. And we want to help you be clear about that also, okay? So those are just some of the things that are happening. 
And um, if you are in immigration court, you're going to want to talk to your lawyer and get ahead of the game, right? Get ahead of the curve. Be, be on the same page about what you're going to do to give you the best chances possible. And do you want to appear through the internet? Do you want to appear in person? Who is your judge? What are the best arguments and strategies to appear in front of that judge? All of this stuff, you want to you be uh, ahead of the game, right? So that you're not surprised, you're not, uh, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're clear on what the game plan is. All right? So that's it. That's my immigration court update for April 2022. And now I want to get into your questions We've received a lot of questions, and so I want to get right to them. And as always, if you have a question about your case, send it in, all right? If you're just joining us, my name is Otis Landerholm. I'm an immigration attorney. I'm the founding attorney at Landerholm Immigration APC, where we fight for your American dream. We're a law firm based out of Oakland, California. I'm also a certified specialist in immigration law, certified by the California State Bar. Okay, and so um, I I love handling cases in immigration court. We do this a lot, and I'd love to help you with your process if that makes sense for you. Okay, so uh, getting into your questions, the first question that I have today comes from Jessica. So Jessica, thank you for asking your question. You ask, I was reported. Wait, I think you mean I was deported back in 2010 to my country, Honduras. For an aggravated felony, I served prison time for a year and eight months, all right? Then I was given an immigration hold. I was in immigration detention for seven months, but my children are U.S. citizens. My whole family's in the United States, and I have no family here. What can we do, all right? So, uh, Jessica, thank you for asking that question. That is, you're in a tough situation. You're in a tough situation. It's a sad situation. The best way to help you, the best first step, all right, contact our office. We can do a consultation. We will want to request all of your records. We will want to request all of your FOIAs. To do that, uh, we, can, we can help you. The fact that you're in Honduras makes no difference. We can, we can request your FOIAs. It will depend on what immigration status you had ahead of time. It will depend on what the conviction was that had you, um, uh, you know, that, that you're calling an aggravated felony. We'll need to uh, verify that, yes, it is, or sometimes the law changes regarding what convictions constitute aggravated felonies. And so we'll need to verify that. We'll need to see if there are arguments to maybe undo or attack or get post-conviction relief against that conviction. And then we'll need to see if there's any waivers uh, or applications that could be filed from your family here to bring you back into the U.S., all right? These are long, slow processes, but they are possible. And, uh, and we'd love to, work you, uh, to walk you through that process. So, Jessica, thanks so much. If we can help you, just give us a call. Um, and the best way to start is with our consultations team. Awesome. All right, thank you. The next question comes from Kenneth. All right. Kenneth, you're asking, my, you say, my name is Kenneth. I was deported in 2017, and I wanted to know how I can go back legally. All right, Kenneth, thank you for asking that question. It is essentially the same thing as what I said to Jessica just a moment ago. First step, 
contact our office and let's book a consultation for you. Second step, we want to run FOIAs. We want to understand why there was a deportation to begin with. Okay? We want to understand what, what, what it was that had you deported. If there was a criminal issue involved, if there was immigration fraud involved, if there was a violation of your immigration status involved, whatever it was, we want to get to the bottom of that and then we can see, okay, what family do you have here? What uh, options do you have here to bring you back or to waive that deportation uh, if possible? Okay? All right, my next question comes from uh, Manuel. Manuel, thank you for asking your question. You say, I am innocent with a deportation since 2017. I came in November of 2001 on a K-1 visa, and I was married in December of 2000, uh, 2001, and I got a two-year green card, lived with my wife for almost six years, but immigration never believed my marriage. All right, I didn't have a good lawyer at that time. Also, my lawyer uh, did a green card through my daughter, who's 24 years old. I got my I-130 approved in 2019. But because of the deportation, USCIS tells me that my green card needs more work. Okay, and so, um, and then you're asking, okay, what are my options? So, Manuel, you've got a lot going on there. It sounds like there's allegations of marriage fraud from the first marriage. It sounds like there's a new case. Bottom line is um, there are options, but one of the limitations of a fiancé visa, one of the limitations of a fiancé visa is that the only way to adjust status is through the same marriage, through the same marriage that you got the fiancé visa approved through. Okay, and so you're not eligible to adjust status from, for example, your U.S. citizen daughter if you entered through a K-1 based on your marriage to someone else. And so um, that's just something that you got to be able to work through. Hopefully your lawyer uh, understood that and gave you advice about that. And there are ways to still do it through your daughter. You might need to consular process that case, but be cautious going through a consulate in your situation because you've got, if you're still in the United States, you've got um, over a year of unlawful presence, you'd trigger a 10-year bar. And so the better way to do it is to fix the, um, the marriage-based situation. And we might need to start with FOIAs to figure out, hey, what exactly happened there? and to be able to give you good advice about that situation going forward. Okay, so Manuel, let's start that with a consultation also, and we can figure out the bottom line as to what you're eligible for. Uh, my next case comes from Frey. All right, Frey, um, thank you for asking your question. You say, is there a way for me to go back to the U.S.? I had two deportations um, and I have two sons and a beautiful woman who's willing to marry me. <laughs> uh, Frey, awesome. Thank you for asking that question. Congratulations on being in a relationship uh, with a beautiful, wonderful person who's willing to marry you. Um, and um, sometimes that marriage can be used to petition you, then to waive a deportation in the past, 
The challenge, though, is when there's two deportations, uh, that causes an extra wrinkle of complexity. Part of the issue will be when did those deportations occur? Uh, another issue will be why were there the deportations? Was it just unlawful entry or was there something else going on? And so, um, you know, let's look at it. Let's look at it carefully. Uh, your marriage can sometimes waive deportations from the past, but you might have permanent inadmissibility if there was an unlawful reentry after a first deportation order. And so we'd have to look at it carefully. We'd have to look at it carefully. Um, but let's do that. You know, we can always do that. Um, my, um, let's see here. I thought I had one more. Um, let's see. Uh, I thought I had one more question. Oh, all right. Jennifer. Jennifer asks, can a DUI get me deported if I want to travel under a Honduran TPS statute? Jennifer, thank you for asking that question. I think that I answered that question on my last live session, um, but maybe it was for a different person. Bottom line is, um, most of the time, everybody listening, listen to me, most of the time, one conviction for one DUI does not cause, quote-unquote, deportability, all right? Um, unless there are what they call aggravating factors. If somebody was injured in the DUI, if there was an accident, a traffic accident caused by the DUI, if there was um, a, a very, very high blood alcohol content, certain, if it was a repeat DUI, right, certain instances can cause a DUI to have aggravating factors and can cause it, um, can make it cause deportability. Um, but most of the time it doesn't, okay? And so um, anyway, if, and if you've got TPS, uh, that's a travel document, so you can travel and re-enter the U.S., but my best advice, Jennifer, is let's just look at precisely the language, the code section in your DUI just to make sure it's not a crime involving moral turpitude that could potentially cause deportability or inadmissibility um, and make sure that you travel with all of those records, conviction records, things like that, so you can show it to Border Patrol on your re-entry and say, hey, please readmit me this issue, I'm taking care of it, and it doesn't cause inadmissibility, doesn't cause deportability. Okay, that's it, that's it. Okay, I just got another question here, it looks like from Saeed. Saeed, thank you for asking your question and hello to you. You say, I was charged with marriage fraud in 2013 and me and my ex-wife filed another I-130, but we missed it and immigration denied the case and now my wife wants to remarry me to fix my status. Um, and I, it's, it looks like there's more there, but I don't see the more there. Um, so, Saeed, thank you for asking your question. Uh, you know, um, how can I say this? Uh, I love, I love winning cases where the government is alleging marriage fraud, all right? There's complexity there, but it's not the end of the story. You have the right, if you're still in love with your wife and you know it, all right? If you're still in love with your wife and you know it in your, in your heart, then uh, the question is, how can we prove it? How can we show it? 
How can we put evidence on about it? Sometimes we got to get creative about that because some immigration officer is saying, no, it was just for immigration purposes. And you're like, no, you know, I care about this person. We are, we have a relationship. It just wasn't very well documented in the past. And so, you know, let's put on the, let's put on the evidence. All right. So Saeed, thank you for asking that question. I hope it was helpful. Call my office. We'd love to uh, look at that issue in much more depth with you um, and walk you through that process. Everyone, that is all that I have time for today. Thank you so much. Um, thank you all so much for being here with me. Um, if I haven't answered your question, I still will. I'd love to do it. Please send uh, your question to me. If this video was helpful for you, please subscribe to our channel. Please give us a thumbs up on this video uh, to let the internet know that this is useful stuff. And if you have an immigration case, please give us a call. We are here to help. Okay, that's it. Thank you all so much. I'm Otis Landerholm. I'm the founding attorney here at Landerholm Immigration APC, where we fight for your American dream. And we'll see you on the next episode of Deportation Defense Live. Take care. Have a wonderful week. Thank you for listening to the Empowered Immigrant Podcast. If you like what you heard and if you want to learn more, please go to landerholmimmigration.com forward slash podcast.